0: In Luke chapter 1, Mary has just met with her cousin. Elizabeth was of advanced age and had thought she would never bear children. And she too had experienced a miracle from the Lord. Not a virgin birth, but yet a miracle all the same. Elizabeth had called out. Elizabeth had praised. She said, The womb, the child in my womb, that is John the Baptist, had moved at the sound of Mary's voice. She called out. She praised God, and Mary praised God in response. This passage is known as the Magnificat. From the Latin word, it talks about Mary magnifying the Lord. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you and we are so grateful that there is indeed another in the fire. Lord that we know we will never be alone. God, no matter what we go through, where we are in life, what the stage or season, no matter what it may be, you are with us. Mountain top or valley or in between, you are there. You walk beside us. And Father, no matter where we are, we can count on your presence. We can count on your guidance. Father, we ask that today the example of Mary, as she praises you, would inspire us as we walk through uncertain times. Father, may your word be at work through your spirit in our hearts today. May it not stop, but may it go with us as we leave this place. May we touch this world as your spirit works through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to talk about reasons to rejoice. Why we praise, even when the circumstances around us don't seem to favor that. It's easy to get excited under exciting circumstances. You win the championship. You win the lottery. You get an A+. you get a raise. The girl says yes. Whatever the good news is that comes back, it's easy to get excited, to get on social media, to, go, to call a friend, to write a letter, to do whatever you do and tell somebody how excited you are and to say thank you, to say God is good, to say I'm excited. But what about when life isn't good? When life is uncertain, when life is tough and life is hard, we've talked a lot this past year about how 2020 was not what we expected. Over and over again, we've talked about how it defied what we planned 2020 was going to be so cool, so neat, this perfect year, all the things we wanted, you know, 2020 vision and all the things we thought about and we've, all year long talked about how he didn't meet those expectations and didn't fulfill them. I wonder what Mary's plan for her year was. We don't know what this year was for her, but scholars tell us that she would have been, according to the the culture of that day, young women would would marry very early. And uh, typically speaking, in that culture... Joseph, her betrothed, might have been 25, 26, 27, 28, maybe up to 30 years old, and and she might have been 13, 14, 15, 16. That sounds very odd to us today, but that was the culture then. So let's say, let's just pick a number and say 14. What did she expect for her 14th year of life? Well... In those days, there was no adolescence. You were simply a child, and then you were an adult. She expected to end her childhood and to be an adult, to become a real woman, to get married, to start a family. So she knew that childhood was going to be over. But she had expectations for a very orderly process. I've been engaged. I'm going to get married. We will, of course, do things married people do. We will have a family, children, build a house, grandchildren, all the normal things that normal people do. And then one night, Gabriel shows up. She wakes up, probably wonders, should I have eaten late this night. Was that some bad stuff, some strong food, so, too spicy? What's going on here? She wakes up and Gabriel is talking to her about how she is going to be bearing the Messiah. And she questions, not in doubt, but in wonder How can this be? For I'm a virgin. She may be young, but she knows the birds and the bees. She understands the way the world works. I've never been with the man. Me and Joseph hadn't been messing around. And the Lord tells her, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And the power of the Most High will come upon you. And you will conceive, and his name will be Jesus. And so this happens to her. And from a spiritual point of view, wow, this is an amazing thing. This is an incredible miracle. But when it happens to you, 14 years old, never been involved with a man, not supposed to be involved with a man, and you know the consequences, you know that Going to the family and say, Hey, mom and dad, guess what? Angel showed up. Um, Let me tell you about what's going to happen. You know, that's probably not going to go over too well. And so she goes, like a lot of people did in the old days when she started to show, she went away to visit a relative. In another part of town. And she goes to meet Elizabeth because she hears that Elizabeth, her elderly cousin, in her her late years, when all chance, all hope for her to ever bear a child has been long forgotten, that Elizabeth has been uh, blessed to be pregnant. And she and John have this child, but for some reason John can't speak And hasn't been able to speak because he didn't believe what the angel told him. She goes and she visits Elizabeth. And they have this conversation. And she kind of, at this point after the conversation, burst out. In the midst of this difficult situation she's going through, she burst out into a song of joy. And I see in this song of joy in the way that she is able to rejoice in the middle of her confusing and unexpected and very difficult situation, if she had reasons to rejoice, we have reasons to rejoice as well. So I want us to look at Mary's reasons to rejoice. The first one is God's attention to her. Listen, as we go back to the the servant. Um, to the passage in verse 47 and 48. Oh, how my soul rejoices, praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Why? Verse 48. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Or blessed, if you want to say it that way. He took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I want you to make sure you capture the tone of what she's saying. She's not saying, whoo-hoo, I'm awesome. Everybody's going to be talking about how great I am in the future. I Boy, I'm a big name now. I'll never be forgotten. No, 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 no. That was not Mary's tone. That was not Mary's attitude at all. Mary was saying, I'm just a little me. I'm I'm just a servant. I'm just a plain, ordinary, 14-year-old girl who's just going about doing my thing, trying to serve God just like anybody else. I'm nothing but ordinary. And yet, God... Noticed me. God saw me. And God chose to include me in his plan. You know, we're kids, we sing about how great God is. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Right? We sing about that, and we talk about how God is big and great and strong and mighty and all that kind of stuff, and some of us even know hand motions. A few of y'all were doing them, all right? But it's sometimes, as awesome as that is to think about how big and great and mighty God is, sometimes when we think about how big and great and mighty God is, we think that he's so big and great and mighty that maybe he doesn't notice little old us. But in Scripture, God tells us this tremendous truth that because he's so big and great and mighty that he sees all things. The Psalms tell us that he doesn't miss a single tear. Jesus tells us that he does it, that he knows every single hair on our heads. That he doesn't miss it when a single sparrow drops. Every single detail of your life, that crush, that bad grade, that remark, that boss who messes with you, uh, that person who set a remark, that, that pain you had this morning that you didn't tell anybody about, but you were worried and nervous about it, every little thing in your life, God notices all of it. And you and I can rejoice because the little things that we're too embarrassed or scared or afraid to tell anyone else because they might think badly of us or might think we're dumb or whatever, God notices and God cares. He never overlooks us at all. He never forgets about us at all. Everything about us matters to God. And he chooses, because he loves us so much, he's so big and powerful, he could have done everything and built his kingdom all by himself and said, hey there, guys, I did it all, it's done. Just kind of mill around, talk amongst yourselves. But he loves us so much, and his attention is on so much, that he wants to share his joy with us. And he says, I care so much that I'm going to include you as a partner in building my kingdom. I'm going to include you in my plan to share the gospel with the nations. I'm going to include you in my plan to show my love to all people. And he cares enough to include us, allow us to participate, allow us to partner with him in the greatest plan in the universe, and that is building the kingdom of God, sharing his love, spreading his gospel. And so we can rejoice at all times because no matter what craziness is going on, we have never lost God's attention. And that's, you know, some people get real scared when they feel like they've lost their friend's attention or their child's attention or their spouse's attention. You've never lost God's attention. He's never had a time when he quit caring about you. Rejoice because of God's attention. Secondly, we can rejoice because of God's mercy. Man, God, she was just overtaken by the merciful nature of God. She said in verse 50, He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear Him. He goes, and She goes on in verse 54, He has helped His servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. What a merciful God we have. And if he wasn't merciful, the fact that his eye is always on the sparrow, that is, the fact that he is always watching us, would be super scary. (laughs) Would be super frightening if he wasn't a merciful God. Because if we were just thinking about his eye always being on us, and yet he was only a judgmental God, that would be the ultimate state of surveillance. That we were constantly being watched, that he was standing there ready to zap us for any small infraction, any failure, any goof up or mess up. We would live in fear. If we realized what a big, powerful, almighty God we had, but didn't think about the mercy. But his power plus his mercy gives us a sign of his grace. It helps us to breathe, saying, God, you know it all, but you still love me, you still care. As the saying goes, warts and all, you still love me. God, you know about the stuff that I hide from everyone else, the stuff that I never tell, the stuff that goes on inside me that no one else, the memories that I cover up, the things that I would never share. You know, God, and yet you still love me. Not only does he see it all, he is merciful from generation to generation. Isn't that something? Because after a while, if God was like us, after a generation or two, <laughs> whew, you leaves. I could put up with a you know a few generations of you guys, but wow, you, <laughs> this this new generation. I, I'm sorry, but you know, ooh, Caleb. Your father before you, he got up to here, and you're just over the edge, you know? I mean, that, that could be, that would be how we'd feel. I'd had it enough with you, you know? But God's not like that. It says from generation to generation, his mercy reigns. His mercy goes on. We get fed up, and then we say enough, and God's mercy still goes on. And so we can rejoice even though we get irritated. We, you know, we go from zero to 60, from patient to irate like that. And God is still being merciful. And so we can rejoice that that mercy continues and continues. Finally, we can rejoice because of God's justice. She talks in here about the tremendous thing. Verse 51, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones, exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. What she's talking about here is that God is going to balance the scales. Now, God is all about government and laws and systems of judgment. In fact, the Bible tells us that we have those things and that, that they are there by God's design to help us and to give us peace. But because of sin in this world, everything is imperfect, right? And God knows that. So all those things, while they're good, we know that things in our society would be much worse if there were no government, if there were no law enforcement. We also know That all the time, there are always in all societies, even the best of them, there are cases that fall through the cracks. There are people who get away with uh, wickedness. There are people who work the system. There are people who find the loopholes and they still do bad things. And God says his word over and over tells us, guess what? I'll balance those scales. Leave it up to me. In my way, in my time, no matter how much it looks like they're getting away with all this and how much everything is working out for those folks, you just leave that justice to me. I'm going to take care of it. And folks, if I didn't have that assurance, I'd have a real hard time. Because I look around at this world. I can look locally <laughs> Can look statewide, nationwide, or worldwide. And I can see all sorts of circumstances and situations where I say, that's not right. How is that going on? How are the innocent being uh, abused and oppressed? Uh, How are these people getting away with that? And yes, as Christians, we are called to do our job in society to be salt and to be light. And we should vote for good government. We should support good rules and good laws and support justice. But even sometimes when we do the best we can as citizens in society, there's still things that that just keep happening anyway. And we've done the best that we can. And those things can drive us crazy until we give them to God. I say, okay, God, I can't do this. I can't get vengeance. I can't make this happen. But you said vengeance is yours. Lord, you said you would handle this. You said justice you're going to take care of. You'll take care of it, a lot of it in this life. But, you, God, you'll take care of some of it. You're just going to take care of it in the next life. But you've promised, God... That you're going to balance those scales. And that you're going to take care of it. You're going to humble some folks. God, you're, you're going to balance things out. And you're going to make it just right. And even though I may not see how you're going to do that, that's okay. I can rejoice in that. And you know, Mary, poor servant, poor girl... In a, in a poor country, in a poor region, in the backwater of the Roman Empire. She said, if the God of this universe can come to me and choose a nobody like me to bear his son. He didn't show up in Rome in the household of the emperor. He showed up in a tiny village in the Styx that hardly anybody outside of that little nation of Israel that nobody even cared about in the ancient world except for to think of them as some rabble-rousers that, that kind of caused trouble for the empire. She realized if God can do this, then God can take care of all. He can take care of anything. So has 2020 been a messed up, Unsettling, difficult, crazy year? Absolutely. But does that mean we can't rejoice? Absolutely not. We can rejoice because God has given us these reasons to rejoice. We can rejoice because of God's justice. That all the wrong that we see while we try to do our part as God has called us to be good citizens of the world that we live in, We know that there's lots we can't take care of, but God can take care of it. We can rejoice as we think about his mercy, about the fact that that God, when we mess up, and by the way, we do need to extend that idea of mercy for others. It's not just us that needs mercy, other people do too. That God's mercy is there for us when we mess up. And that his presence is with us always. In the middle of our darkest day or night, God has not forgotten about us. He is here. Mary could rejoice and we can rejoice as well. Pray with me. Father God, thank you so much again. Lord, that you are there with us, whether it be in the fire or in the waves. God, you are with us. We can rejoice, not because we live a life free of trouble, but, God, because you will never abandon us or forsake us and that you will be with us through the troubles of this life. And, God, one day we will be with you in a life where we are free of those things. But until that day, Father, give us courage and faith to keep trusting, to keep believing, to keep obeying, to keep walking in your way, and to keep praising you as we walk in your way. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.